welcome. You're listening to a sermon podcast from Oak Hills Church in Folsom, California. Well, last Friday, Julie and I played in a golf scramble fundraiser. And we played with another couple that Julie knows through her work. I've actually played with the guy before many times, but the four of us played. Here's how a scramble works. If you don't know, all four players in a particular group or foursome hit their shot. Then the group decides which of the four is the best one. Then everybody who's is not the best one picks up their ball, moves over to the best one, drops their ball, and then the four people hit from there. And so you keep doing that till the ball is in the hole. And a scramble is one way to turn the individual sport of golf into a team game. So they can be fun. I generally don't like them, but they can be fun if you have the right uh, group. One of the vibes you catch when you play in a scramble, and I've played in many of them, and one of the vibes, like it just comes with the materials they give you almost, is that even if I hit a bad shot into the trees or water or I miss an easy putt, there's still hope. And this, this vibe is floating around every foursome, including those that have absolutely zero chance of winning anything. There's just this feeling of, even if I hit a bad shot, even if you hit a bad shot, even if we miss a putt we thought we should make, there's still hope because there's three other people who get to go right after us. And they have a chance to hit a better shot or putt than mine. And if theirs is better, then I pick up my bad shot and I put it where their good shot is ended up. So, in a scramble, every single shot brings with it fresh hope. And you end up reminding each other of this. As you're playing. Again, I've played in many of them, and it happens every time. Uh, One person in our group uh, was not a golfer. I'm being very kind in putting it that way. Julie is, I am, one of the other people was, and one of them really was not a golfer. But it didn't matter because she'd hit her shot, and it would go from about here to, I don't know, the piano, and we'd say, hey, it's okay after she hit the ball. We still have three more chances, so it doesn't really matter. And again, I don't really like this format, but I had a blast playing in this foursome. We cheered each other on. We encouraged each other. We had zero chance of winning the tournament. There was, I was telling Julie before we, I said, listen, we don't have a chance. We could do this a hundred times, and we aren't going to win with this group. But we played extremely well. It was a beautiful day. It was a beautiful course. It was the perfect interruption to the everyday chaos and tension and trouble that seems to constantly loom in today's world. And for me, and I imagine for at least some of you, there is a definite limit to my ability to endure day after day the bombardment of burdens and challenges and troubles of this life and world. I've got a certain capacity where I can handle it But then every now and then I need to step back and away from all the chaos and recalibrate to God's perspective and God's way and God's goodness. I need to step back, I need to breathe, and I need to rediscover the hope I have because of who God is, what Jesus has done, and what his spirit is currently doing. And I have a hunch that at least... Some of you know what I mean when I say I've only got a certain capacity for all this burden. Life's burdens, problems, the heaviness of life and the heaviness of the world 
have a way of sticking to us as we go through life. And we can't like just peel them off and in the, in the, keep up with how often they're sticking on us. And these things weigh us down and we can actually feel the heaviness in our minds and bodies and souls. And so it's crucial to step back in a way now and then and let God recalibrate our thoughts, how we're thinking, recalibrate our feelings and see if they're aligned with truth, recalibrate our bodies. We take a deep breath. We recognize it's a broken world, but we take a deep breath and we recognize God is there. We recalibrate our attitude because it's easy for our attitude to go south in a world that is going south. We, we, we recalibrate our perspective and we let God revitalize and rekindle our hope. In our scripture, the writer of Hebrews stresses the supremacy of Jesus as a way of kickstarting and catalyzing hope. The supremacy of Jesus and the life and eternity changing reality of what he did for us when he died on the cross and rose from the grave. This is the center point for the writer of Hebrews. The writer of Hebrews is trying to call his readers back to this basic foundational point and saying that Jesus is supreme and he's opened up a new way by making a way for us to be in relationship with God and what he did on the cross. The reality then of Jesus presently alive and well and on the move changes the now and it changes tomorrow and forever. And the net net of it all, according to the writer of Hebrews, is this word confidence or full assurance is one of the phrases he uses in the passage. Confidence is such a good word for us in uncertain times. Think back to all of the things we've been going through in this series on tremors, all the different issues, and just be able to step back and say, wow, is it possible we could actually have confidence rooted in God as we try to navigate the chaos of this life? Confidence that nothing stands between us and God, that he has cleared the way for us to actually have a relationship with him. Confidence that life and all of its burdens and all of its tremors and all of its problems and all of its heaviness can actually be different because we are in Christ. More simply, because of Jesus, we now have real hope. We have what the Bible sometimes calls living hope, a confident expectation of good things to come as God slowly brings forth his purposes and works out his plan. That's Christian hope confidence that God, that good is going to come as God slowly brings forth his purposes and works out his plan. And these days, don't know about you, but these days I need regular blasts of this hope. I need to hear hope from God. I need to hear hope from you. Hope is what we gave each other last Friday on the golf course. Hey, bad shot. It's okay. We're still okay. Tremors, divisions, crazy world, it's okay. We're still okay. Why? Because Jesus Christ is king. Because Jesus Christ is in control in spite of what my life or the culture or the world looks like or feels like. No matter how much the world shakes from various tremors, Jesus is king. And he's bringing forth his purposes and plan in those who follow him and in this world, and he's doing this right now. 
See, the chaos that we all live in tricks us into thinking things are out of control. You get that feeling any, ever? You read something, another tragedy, what's going on in Seoul, all this stuff bombards, 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 and these giant mountains form right in front of us. And you kind of look up at it and you get tricked into thinking things are out of control. Things happening personally that we can't seem to get our, our arms around makes us think things are out of control. But here's the thing. God is still God. This is the message. This is the, the, the point of what the, Hebrew, the, the, the person who wrote Hebrews is saying. God is still God. So there's absolutely nothing happening right now or tomorrow or ever on the personal or worldwide stage, none of it is actually out of control. Now, I don't know about you, but this is worth an exhale. If God is actually God, if God is actually who he says he is, we can stare right into the face of whatever personal, cultural, or worldwide issue, and we can exhale and maybe even grin or maybe even smile. Because God is still God. Paul says it this way in Romans eight twenty eight, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I actually think a lot of not so helpful stuff has been done in the name of this passage. So I just want to let it lay there. Just think about what he's saying. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. He's saying something is happening even when it doesn't look like anything is happening. God is present even when it seems like he's not. God is at work. God is bringing forth good. So step back. Step away from all the noise and chaos and recalibrate to this greater reality. God is up to something. So we are concluding our Tremor series today, I think rather fittingly, because we're talking about hope and its foundation in the second coming of Jesus, the return of the king. If Jesus died and stayed dead, then hope is dead. If Jesus died and rose from the dead, but that's it, then hope is alive, but for what? If Jesus died and rose from the dead and is coming again a second time to make things new and right, then hope is logical and hope actually makes sense. So the gist of what I want to say today is that in the midst of a world that is shaking, fractured, divided, filled with various tremors and tensions, bad and disheartening news, it's okay. We're still okay because Jesus is king. In the words of verse 23 from our passage in Hebrews 10, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. If you're the type that likes to write things down, I would write that down. Hebrews 10 23. It's one of those verses that actually has power to shape how we deal with the stuff happening in life. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Now, our immediate circumstances may never resolve the way we want them to. That's not part of the hope deal. Pain is a reality. That is part of the hope deal. Life is an unfinished symphony, as we know. But someday Jesus will return to finish the work that he started at the resurrection. And the work he started at the resurrection was life conquering death, light conquering darkness. Someday this resurrection power will transform every square inch of this universe. 
And it's good to step back and away every now and then and go, wait a minute. What are we saying? We're saying that someday resurrection power will transform every square inch of this universe. And on that day, all will be well. That's where future is going because that's what Jesus is powerful enough to accomplish. So let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. I want to say something because we all know this to be true. Hope is not easy. We've been talking about this stuff. There's things happening in the world. And then along comes this hope thing. And it just is like, wait, boy, that's hard. All these things that have been churning. Hope is not easy. Hope is actually really hard work. And just to make the point, hope is only one letter different than hype. Last Friday, our golf team had zero chance of winning the scramble tournament. Zero chance, period. That's not a lack of hope talking. It's a refusal to let hype talk. Before our round, Newt Rockney himself could have tried to rally us to go out and win one for the Gipper. But we had no chance of winning anything for the Gipper. Hype doesn't help in the face of reality. But hope, real hope, living hope, Hope that's got something concrete underneath it does, in fact, help. And this is one of the main purposes of hope in the Bible. It's in the Bible over and over again, hope, 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 because it helps us navigate the right now. See, Christian hope is not hype because hope is grounded in Jesus' return. It's easy for us, as we all know, to get swept away by what we could call the whitewater of daily life. And we all get this. Life rushes along, we get pushed, we get pulled by the noise and demands. One week becomes the next and the next and the next. Before long, a year is gone, and then five and ten, and before long, it's 2023. And it just goes like that. And along the way, as that white water rushes, and we're just kind of tumbling our way down it, we might slowly come to believe that navigating all this white water is, in fact, the essence of life. So we need to step back. We need to step away. We need to get out of the white water for a bit to recalibrate to God and to his purposes. And one way we do this is to remember that someday in the future, this Jesus we talk about and sing about is going to return to earth a second time. The first time he came quietly as a baby, he snuck into our world through a window at the back of the house. But the second time he comes, he will come boldly like a conquering king, and he will come right through the front door of the house, and he will bring judgment on those who have rejected him. He will give people an eternity of what their lives have revealed they want. He will give them an eternity of what their lives have revealed they want. So those whose lives have been spent avoiding God will get an eternity where they will effectively uh, avoid God. And those whose lives have sought God and pursued him we'll get an eternity of more of the same. And when Jesus comes, all the tremors, all the fractures, all the divisions of the world will be healed. Shalom will take hold. And Christian hope is based on this knowledge. Christian hope is based on this knowledge, this truth that Jesus will one day return and make all things new. So what, what do we do till then? Well, hope, like we're talking about, hope stays engaged in the matters of the world. 
Throughout history, including in New Testament times, many generations have assumed that the end of the world was near and Jesus was about to return. I'm not sure if we realize this, that way back in the Bible, we could read passage after passage on the second coming of Christ. And the people that were reading it back in the year 50, 60, 70, 80 AD, they were thinking it's going to happen soon. Can't be more than five years from now. Look at all the chaos around us. Look at all the trouble. It must mean that Jesus is coming back real soon. Well, that was 2,023 years ago. And we're still going at it. So there's a tremor, as we've been talking about, one of these sort of oppositional things between hope over here and the second coming over here. And this tremor shows itself in one of two ways. And the main way is what I just mentioned, that many of us are prone to getting so caught up in life, we forget the reality of the second coming of Jesus. And so it doesn't shape how we live or how loosely or tightly we carry this world. Life consists in navigating the white water and doing the best we can, but this second coming business is a little hard to believe, so it sits over here on an out-of-the-way shelf, and it makes minimal difference in how we actually do tomorrow. And that's the main way this tremor shows up. That's probably the case for most of us, is we're not exactly living with the second coming near the forefront of our minds. The less common way that this, uh, uh, that this reality sort of fades in us is that a few of us get so caught up in the second coming, we forget the reality of life and what it means to live as God's people in the midst of a broken and hurting world. All we think about, in other words, is, well, Jesus is coming again. For some, the second coming produces this kind of huddle-up-and-hide mentality. And this huddle-up-and-hide mentality is really running loose these days. Jesus is coming, and I can't wait to get out of here. So I'm just going to bide my time until he gets here. The world is rotten, and we need to cloister away in some safe zone where we can protect ourselves from all the rottenness. Here's a real popular one these days. California is a crazy and godless place, and I can't wait to move somewhere else. But here's the thing. The second coming of Christ should not drive us out of the world. It should drive us deeper into the world. Hope keeps us engaged with each other and with the world. One of the reasons for a local church's existence is to spur one another on toward love and good deeds, as the passage said. Hebrews 10.25, encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. And the day is in reference to the day of the Lord, the day Jesus returns. As time goes by and that day approaches, spur one another on toward love and good deeds. As we see the world falling apart and tensions rising and tremors shaking, encourage one another, breathe life into one another, bring forth love and good deeds. It's the foursome factor at the golf scramble. Hey, it's okay. Keep playing, keep hitting the ball. Keep living. Keep seeking. We're in this together. I had a conversation this past week with a good and wise friend. It was an unplanned conversation. The call was about topic X, but we got into a long discussion about topic Y. And the essence of the call was hope. Because for various reasons that aren't important, hope has been fading in me a bit these last couple weeks. And this friend encouraged and spurred me on. If you will, he said to me, keep swinging the club, Mike. Keep hitting the ball. 
Keep playing the game and don't lose heart. Keep seeking God. Keep following God. Keep trusting God to bring forth his purposes. And I desperately needed his encouragement. It's one of the things we do for each other. Think about all the tensions and all the tremors we've navigated the past several weeks in this series. All the issues embedded in those tensions and tremors. Think of them. Marriage. Relationships. Citizenship. Immigration. Wealth. Poverty. Racism. Politics. Unity. The goodness of God. The problem of pain. Here's the thing. We're around people every single day who are different language for sure, but they're trying to find their way through this stuff and much more. How do we help other people who are bombarded by the world? How do people of faith help people who may not have faith navigate this craziness by staying engaged with them? As God's people, we engage others in the realities of the kingdom and we do it with gentleness and we do it with respect. We don't run and hide. We don't hunker down and wait it out. We engage with gentleness and respect. I love how Peter puts it. He's writing to Christians who are surrounded by the challenges of a culture and want nothing to do with God or his ways. And Peter instructs uh, Christ followers, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. And what's implied is that our hope, Christian hope, is producing goodness and love in ways that other people see it. Our hope is compelling us to live and to work and to bring forth goodness. And when someone notices, we give the reason for our hope. The picture here is a life poured out for the sake of the kingdom that other people notice and ask, what is that all about? Dietrich Bonhoeffer, very close to the end of his life, very close to his execution, wrote and said it this way, I discovered later, and I'm still discovering right up to this moment, that it is only by living completely in this world that one learns to have faith. By this worldliness, I mean living unreservedly in life's duties, problems, successes, and failures. In doing so, we throw ourselves completely into the arms of God, taking seriously not our own sufferings, but those of God in the world. That, I think, is faith. So I'll just leave it at this. Hope is what the world needs now, and you and I are carriers of hope. Hope is what the world needs now. This series that we've talked about, all these issues that people are dealing with, people trying to sort all this stuff out, our job is to be peoples of, people of hope. We are carriers of hope, and our job is to go out into the world and spread it. We demonstrate a confident expectation of good things to come as God slowly brings forth his purposes and plan. And the world need this, needs this. And you and I, as followers of Jesus, are carriers of hope and we're to be spreaders of this hope. Julie and I and some others were at a restaurant on Friday night having this amazing meal. And while we were sitting there, a lady a couple of tables over somehow slipped and fell and bumped her head on the table and was sitting on the ground. And Julie jumped up from her seat and she went over and she asked the lady if she was okay. And she looked her in the eyes and offered to help. And the lady yelled at Julie. And it was a perfect picture of how we are to live in this tremor-filled world. People with bumps on their head all over the place, walking around, 
We've got them too. But there's a courageousness in moving toward people who need help and who need hope. And offering that hope with no strings attached. Offering the goodness without needing a response. Pouring ourselves out without regard for how it will be received. Romans 15, 13, Paul says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't know where you're at these days, but I'm at a point both in my life and in my work where I want to take a season and I want to just breathe and I want to say I want to overflow with hope. I need a recharge on hope. Over in Ephesians, it says, Paul prays, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. I guess that's the point of today's talk, that we may know the hope to which God has called us and that hope would put fuel in our tank to keep going. One of C.S. Lewis's great lines is further up and further in. And by it, he meant, let's keep going further up into God and his kingdom. And let's keep going further in to God and his kingdom. Keep going. Hit a bad shot. It's in the water. It's in the trees. It's okay. We'll be okay. Keep going. Keep swinging. Keep going further up and further into God and into the reality of his kingdom. And as we end this series, this is kind of the deal. This is what we talk about all the time here. That we're on this journey together. That we've kind of got ourselves locked arm in arm. And we're simply seeking God to follow him further up and further in. Would you pray with me, please? Our Heavenly Father, we're grateful for the hope that we have, that we can stand on something that is solid. We can stand on something that doesn't move. We aren't just whistling in the dark and we're not just spouting off hype. But we have this certain and sure hope that Jesus is coming again and one day all will be well. One day all fractures will be healed. One day all tremors will be quieted. And one day, the power that rose Jesus from the dead will occupy every square inch of the universe and all will finally be well. And I pray today that that living hope, that our eyes would be open to the reality of this hope and that it would shape how we live today, how we navigate the challenges and how we reach out to a world that is in desperate need. Help us to do this, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.